back to Simply Soccer. I'm Michelle Hootink, your host, and with me is my co-host, Christian Conway. I hope you're all staying cool while we bring the hot takes about the galaxy. Oh, yeah. Hot takes on a hot summer day. Um, yeah, well, actually, what's not hot is the way the galaxy have been playing. So before we jump into Saturday's preview, I do want to say that about the the trades that we've made... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's two interesting uh, acquisitions. I think the one that I think kind of it, between the two that is kind of the, the less important and more the one that I think, you know, we can kind of quickly gloss, gloss over is, is Jonathan Klinsman joining the goalkeeping core. Um, I mean, he had, you know, a decent run in, in as the backup at Heart of Berlin. I will also say, you know, the, the thing about Jonathan Klinsman has been his attitude. I mean, ever, he, there's obviously the famous tweet from uh, the 2014 World Cup about Landon Donovan not making the roster. But, you know, his attitude's always been a question. Um, at Hertha Berlin, he, he felt a favor uh, just, just because of his attitude. I will also say, while he was at Hertha, you know, Hertha was going through some very serious structural issues. So I think kind of you can almost scrap that time. Um, but he was, I mean, he had a decent uh, run at Gallen in, in Switzerland. Um, you know, I, I think there's... You know, goalkeeping like goalkeeper uh, competition is good in a roster, and it really does make a roster better. And I think, you know, maybe Bingham's been a good goalkeeper, but maybe he needs that extra spark just to get to that next level. That you know, I think we saw at times with him in San Jose when he was on the fringes of the national team. You know, he, I don't, I think he's no longer that keeper anymore. But I think you know, if you look at you know the goalkeeping kind of, I guess pipeline from here on out. I mean. The Galaxy have a lot of good young goalkeepers. I mean, Justin Baumstieg, um, I mean, Eric Lopez, and then now Jonathan Klinsman. So it's going to be interesting to see how the goalkeeping shakes out. But I don't think this is necessarily us bringing in a new number one. I think David Bingham's still the undisputed number one. And this is a question of who is the future of the goalkeeping core when it comes to the LA Galaxy. I am actually would like to see uh, Klinsman... In action. I don't want him to be just on the bench. Like, we really never saw Vomstig. We saw him like twice, I think. Um, you know, Bingham, for what the fans, you know, criticize him a lot. You know, we call him Big Safe Bingham, but, but when he misses it, he misses it. And you just, you know, looking back on that MLS's back tournament and seeing how his feet were kind of like led, I, I, I want some fresh blood. Um, that said, some would say that signing Jorgen Klinsmann's son is this precursor to if we lose GPS as a coach, uh, are we going to bring in Klinsmann? Well, on the, I know the, the free kick that you're referring to. I mean, yeah, that's that's unacceptable from Bingham. But here's the thing. I mean, every goalkeeper's got a mistake in that. Like, you know, cherry picking one incident is is not necessarily an indictment on his entire tenure with the galaxy well no to... but a lot of people were saying even before that even in you know last seasons before that well, I mean, that you know same thing that when led... we needed him he let us let us down he led the league in saves last year now i mean that that's an indictment on, on the defense in front of him right he did lead the league in saves last year like i mean last season could have been significantly worse had we had a less capable goalkeeper than than david bingham um i i do understand the the hesitancy around Bingham, I think, you know, he's an aggressive keeper and he, he aggressive keepers when it's good, it's good. When it's bad, it's bad. Um, 
Hmm. Uh, in terms of in terms of Klinsman being a precursor to bringing Jurgen Klinsman, um, I mean Jonathan Klinsman's actually proven his you know proven his chops at at the European level. I mean he's been you know a, a steady goalkeeper at the U.S. youth national team level. He's a lot of people are high on him in terms of his future. Um, I think he's going to be one of those keepers that develops a little bit later than you know keepers tend to develop a little bit later than than other position players. Um, in terms of bringing in Jurgen Klinsmann, I I couldn't see it happening considering just what went wrong at Hertha Berlin when he was there for however many seventy days or whatever he was there. I mean, you look at Jurgen's tenure outside of his time with the U.S. Men's National Team; he hasn't really gotten a lot of calls for a reason. Um, you know, he's and I mean, there was the book um, that came out about his time at, in in Berlin at Bayern or at, sorry in Munich at uh, Bayern Munich where uh, I believe it was Philip Lom's biography, but it might have been another player, um, where he basically said, look, you know, he'd tell us, oh, we have to run harder. We have to, you know, have more passion. And then the players would meet the night before the game to discuss actual tactics and, like, what they were going to do on the field. So, you know, I think a lot of the, the book about Jurgen Klinsmann is that he's a great motivational speaker, but that's about it. So I, I doubt that they would go for him if GBS doesn't survive the season. Um, but I've been proven wrong before. Um, well, I'm just saying in, this in organization case, doesn't fail to surprise. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But in that case, then I'd rather keep Escaloto. I'm just saying. <laughs> I think. Because well, I think. I mean, which, when it comes to Shiloto, I mean, look at the roster he's been given this year. I mean, he doesn't really have a lot. Like, I mean, you know, it, it's a good. It, it's a decent roster, but like, it's not a roster that when you look at it, you're thinking MLS Cup champion or MLS Cup champion. Yeah, Cup. which is a funny thing, right? Because, like, the Galaxy have always looked good on paper, and then you're looking at this, and you're like, mm, didn't you want your guys in? Like, what is this that I'm looking at right now? Why is Zubak up there on the top? Like, <laughs> Well, that's because Chicharito can't stay healthy, apparently. Um, oh, also that. But, like, you know, I mean, there really isn't a ton of names on this roster that pop out at you that, you know, you kind of say, yeah, they, you know, this is a top-five positional player in MLS. Like, I mean outside of maybe Pavon, like, you know, and Jonathan DeSantos, like, you know, of course. I don't think a lot of these guys are top five in their positions in MLS. I, I really don't. And that's, I mean, I don't think necessarily that's Shiloto's fault. I think he's carrying a lot of contracts that are absolute garbage. But that's, you know, yeah, what I was going to come to next. Because, yeah, there are guys that are still on the roster, like legit, like Felcher, who have been here. Um, and they, they just, they haven't been pulling their weight either for a number of reasons. Yeah, but I, I'm kind of almost glad that this season is what it is in terms of how, how odd it is because it's really, <laughs> it's it, it's forcing the galaxy to look at the academy again and, and basically start getting these young talents out of the academy and actually giving them opportunities to to be successful. And I mean, you know, you talk about uh, like Cameron Dunbar, for example. That's the mm-hmm. kind of the, the that's what the, I was thinking. He's kind of the big, I guess, the big story heading into these next six games is you know what can you know, where does, you know, his development continue? But you also Don't talk about like bench him, you know, yeah, like, you what is that? Julian Araujo, you talk about, you know, I mean, even, you know, Kai Kareniak or something like that, like giving these guys opportunities to, 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 you know, I think, I don't think anyone's position is safe outside of maybe Pavon. Like, I, I just don't think anyone's position right now in terms of the starting 11 for the galaxy. I don't think anyone has, as I don't think anyone can feel safe about, knowing their name is in ink on the starting 11 roster or the starting 11 every game at this point in time, 
outside of Pavon and 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 maybe Bingham. Like any of that, right. Jonathan Klitschman coming in, I, I I don't think you know that's even the case. Well, yeah, and I was gonna say that's the other thing. So we got Yoni Gonzalez, and he won't be able to start playing for us maybe till after these games that we have set scheduled just because of the paperwork. Yeah, um, and, and mm-hmm. but I mean, they didn't, you know, they having watched as as much tape as I could last night about uh, with Yoni Gonzalez. I really am a big fan of of what we're getting here. I think he's, you know, from what I saw, he's, you know, he's got speed, but he's. The, the thing about it is what I noticed a lot in a lot of the tape that I watched was his defensive work rate is actually very impressive. And he's very good at winning a tackle and turning defense into attack very quickly. And I think a lot of the good teams in, in MLS and in, in, in global soccer right now, what they do so incredibly well is doing exactly that, which is having individual players turn moments of defense into moments of quick attack and springing into space. And I think, you know, between him and, and Pavon, because I think Pavon does that at a very high level as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even when I watched Yoni's um, interview, he was like, well, I don't want to compare, but he, him and Pavone have a very similar playing style that he'll be on that other wing. Yeah, I, I was I was I was walking earlier today and I, I kind of I didn't I I didn't want to go there, um, but I can't <laughs> help but go there. Um, you know, they they have kind of very similar styles in terms of their defensive work rates are both very good. I mean, Yoni Gonzalez, I think I think Yoni Gonzalez is a little bit of a uh, a worse passer of the ball than Christian Pavon, but you know, I think. Oh no. Well, I think, but I, but but the thing is, I, I I that's a testament to how good of a passer of the ball Pavon is. I think, you know, he's kind of the prototypical modern winger, which is that, you know, their wingers nowadays are much better passers of the ball. You know, they're no longer cross merchants. They actually, you know. Well, that's. I don't think it's I, not going to work with the galaxy's crossing. Yeah, and I, you know. But I think if they can get another guy on the other side of, of the field that is kind of that similar style of Pavon where, you know, cutting inside using, you know, so like turning the winger into a little bit, yeah, well, turning the wing, turning the winger into a little bit more of, of what, you know, and, and I already know that there's a couple of people I've had this discussion with this week that are going to roll their eyes. But, you know, turning into more of our, our understanding, the winger as as a number 10, almost, so to speak, mm. um, you know, but I, there's a whole entire discussion about positional numbering and how outmoded that is but yeah some people say it's podcasts. outdated <laughs> different yeah. Podcasts, different day. Um, yeah but i think you know if, if you know this this signing can only help chicharito just you know watching yoni gonzalez play and then thinking about the way that pavon plays and then the way that that uh chicharito plays i just think this this is maybe the thing that unlocks him a little bit that he has two wingers that he knows can can carry the brunt of the creative load that allows him to make the runs that I think we saw when he was at Real Madrid and, and Manchester United, which were incredibly smart, incredibly deft runs off the ball. And I think this could be the, 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 the final key in the lock that kind of unlocks what Chicharito is really good at. Um, he, uh, the other thing about Yoni Gonzalez that really impressed me is he's, he's very, he's got a great first touch, but he's really good using his body as, you know, like shielding players off the ball and stuff like that. He's really good with his physicality. And I think that's uh, an underrated skill in our game. And I, I, I'm excited to see him in a Galaxy jersey. I, I really, I think he's got a, a large upside. I mean, you know, Benfica doesn't sign a player out of Brazil because they think he's a, he's a bum, right? Like, I mean, Benfica is one of the top clubs in, in Portugal. Like he, they saw something in him. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely there's still that South American flair that uh, we were hoping for. And not just because of Escaloto, but that's that's kind of, you know, everybody keeps talking about Europe and comparing, you know, players and their time in Europe. And, and it's kind of nice to just have this this other style 
um, you know, hopefully a more offensive style um, that, that Escaloto keeps saying that he likes. So <laughs> I can see that. Um, but, you know, it's just kind of hard because you feel like you have to get through these next six games. And then, you know, MLS is still trying to milk El Trafico for whatever it's worth. And to be honest with you, I'm not even looking forward to tomorrow's game. I'm going to watch and support my team. You know, I have to work, but I'm going to record this game. And I'm still going to watch because because it's it's LA Galaxy, you know? And we're not Fairweather fans here on this podcast. So... <laughs> And I, and I know our listeners are not Fairweather fans. And so, you know, that's why we, we hold up to these standards. And, okay, I think LAFC doesn't have Diamande now. And Vela's back. Uh, we're without Chicharito due to injury. I'm glad that Jonathan Dos Santos is back. But he said himself that he's not 90 minutes ready. So then, you know, that puts the Galaxy as being a second-half team. Um, which, hopefully, if they're not gassed after the first... Um, you know, we're playing at bank. So, you know, it's not our, it's not our home. You know, yes, there's no fans, but, say, but, but still. But does, does home field advantage really matter in, a, in an era where there's no fans? Like, that's, eh, I that's mean, a valid it does, question. right? I mean, aren't, isn't their stadium pitch like different than? Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, it, it, you get used to that very quickly. I think, you know, it, I think, when the Bundesliga came back or whatever, the, it, I think the first week eight away teams won in the first round of games. Like I, I, I don't know if home field advantage really means much anymore. Okay, well that's that's a nice uh, hope, you know, glimmer of hope here. Hey, that's what I'm trying to have. I'm trying, you know, and and hope is a funny thing to have, um, especially right now when when you're just it, when there's just such uncertainty, you know, with how the Galaxy are are gonna play. I think. And I'm jumping ahead, but I think definitely once we have Yoni, once Pavon and, and uh, Chicharito and Jonathan Dos Santos are all back and all playing together, then I could see that being a winning, a winning yeah. scoreline. I think this is the, the thing about this game is that you know this is remember what we talked about when 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 we when the the tournament in Orlando ended for the Galaxy, which was that we were in a place where just the mentality of this team was in serious question and the mentality of uh, it again, it, it did look at times like the galaxy just gave up in Orlando. I, I almost don't want to get into the tactics of the, I, you know, there's not a lot of tactics I can really get into because, you know, I think the biggest question tomorrow is, is what galaxy shows up. Is it the galaxy that we saw in the first couple of traffic goes where they were fired up. They wanted to, you know, the, I mean, for example, even the first, traffic go against uh, you know where they, they go three nil down but you know they get the spark from Salty pretty much true but they looked fired up for that game they looked ready they looked up for it yeah playing what, with heart yeah. yeah what team shows up tomorrow that's the the big question here and it, and you know we kind of know what's going to happen I think you know you're going to see a lot of crossing of the ball etc cetera, etc cetera. but you know are they going to be lunging into tackles full speed are they going to look like that you know that galaxy team that for example went out against Minnesota in that playoff game and looked up for the occasion I, I get that it's kind of hard. I get that we're in a weird time and I get that, you know, you know, obviously players are affected by things that are off the field and, you know, they're humans, but, you know, are they going to get up for this one? That's, and, and I, I hate that I'm in this position where I have to question, you know, how up for the, how up for this game are the galaxy going to be? Well, I mean, it, the assumption is that we're losing tomorrow. Right. And I hate that. 
I hate that. Like, regardless of you're looking at it because of our roster. Um, you're looking at it because of the past several games that, that we've played and LA Galaxy have not looked good. Um, you know, but but then again, I mean, I have to say, like, LAFC is not the great team that everybody thinks that they are. And so if if the Galaxy can have that defense, because I thought that back line looked better. It's just that they're lacking creativity. And when I say looking better, I know I can hear everybody going like, what? Like, yeah, I mean, compared to what it was, <laughs> you well, know, because that Portland and that Houston game, I mean, we could have we could have had those games. I mean, that was a really weird and there was stuff that happened that, you know, penalties and whatnot. But but I'm just saying, like, the like statistically looking at the stats, it, it wasn't so far off. Well, also, I think, you know, you, you look at the Galaxy quotes from from this tournament where they say, you know, we had, you know, we played 30 good minutes here and there. We just didn't turn in a full 90 minutes. And I think that's yeah. a very valid point. They, the Galaxy did not turn in a full 90 minutes this entire turn, that entire tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, now is the time. Like, if you're, if you're going to put one performance together this season where you put together a full 90 that's going to really propel you forward, what better time to do it than against LAFC in their building, right? Like, that's... Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I would love a win. I'll even take a draw. But you know, realistically looking at at just the the constant crossing and the they just the the players just look like they don't know what to do. And then they sort of just like get disheartened and then they kind of just give up. So we need okay, so who who tries really hard? Obviously Pavon, um, Sasha Kleshton, I have to say, he'll take shots. He'll take shots from wherever he's at and he'll move in and out too. I- I, I, I like Joe Corona. I think if, if that mm-hmm. midfield bounce, you know, I think Joe Corona gets a lot of stick because he's not a, a flashy player. Um, and I, I always feel with midfielders that aren't flashy, they always kind of get, you know, a little bit of stick. Um, yeah. I, I think Joe's, he's a, he's a, a consummate warrior on the field. Um, you know what, honestly, I mean, I, I get, I, I understand partially what I think Shaloto's doing when it comes to the youth talent on this team, which is that he's protecting them from the stress and the fan pressure of putting them in a big game. I start Cameron Dunbar in this game. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Because I think he no, deserves it. There's no there's reason no, not to. There's no pressure on him. He's not playing in front of an opposition crowd, right? Like, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. the, you basically tell the kid, go out and have fun. You know, you're playing your biggest rivals. You know, you're going to, as long as you're at the Galaxy, this is what you're going to be dealing with for the rest of your career. You don't have any opposition fans, you know, get used to playing against them in a, in a kind of almost sterile environment. Like, Mm. He looked, you know, he looked great in that first game of the MLS's back tournament. I thought he was probably the best player on the field against Portland. Like, why not? You know, like it, this season's going to have an asterisk around it, no matter what. Like, experiment. Like, <laughs> like let's get in the lab and do some weird things, man. Like, yeah, five like, um, two. I don't know. Like, <laughs> well, yeah. You know what is funny is I feel like no matter what we say today i feel like when that roster of the starting 11 comes out we're all going to be like still like wait what are we looking at <laughs> like um also, first, also, you know there, there's always a surprise you know I, and, and that's the other thing it's mls like anything can happen tomorrow i know i look i'm the last person who's going to crap all over my team but i'm i'm going to be honest with what i'm seeing and what i'm hearing from fans I, and and you know i think I also, you know, I, I agree. And I think, you know, it, again, MLS is going to MLS. That's that's kind of <laughs> the baseline rule here. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, this this is an opportunity for this Galaxy team to really at least get some confidence back in this team. And I know, you know, 
I'm sure every player says I don't read online comments, whatever. I know they're reading Twitter accounts. I know they're doing that. And they have to they have to understand that there is a general sense of frustration of, you know, uh, of frustration. And, and you know, what what concerns me is that we've both been talking about this and, and leading up to this recording where both of us kind of were like, well, we kind of know what's going to happen tomorrow. Like we, we feel like we know what's going to happen tomorrow. And like it's this apathy that I think is starting to seep into the seep into the fan base. That's incredibly concerning. And mm-hmm. if, if you're, you know. Again, this is a weird season. A lot of th- weird things have been going on. But if there's any time to get everyone back on your side, then it's tomorrow. You know, like, I, I, the reason I'm not really going into the X's and O's of this game is because I don't think, you know, the X's and O's matter right now. I don't think the tactics matter when it comes to the Galaxy. I think it's just we need to go out. Or we need to see them go out and deliver 90 minutes. You know, I, uh, mm-hmm. that's, you know it, it's, it's about restoring some juice back into the organization. Hundred percent. I I agree. Now here's my other concern. Let's say we pull it off. We win tomorrow, and then I feel like everybody's gonna be comfortable for honestly a little too much. I need that fire under Escaloto. I need him to feel like, you know, like I could lose my job. Like I need to see all of these players, yeah, fighting for their for their start, fighting to keep their jobs that's what i want to see i think with the acquisition of klinsman and gonzalez and then also looking at the the academy players and the los dos players they've brought into the to the senior team right now i think they've started to create that competition that i think you know a lot of people are now starting to look over their shoulder being like oh i could lose my starting position if i don't bring it every single week and i mean you know the, the I don't think the galaxy can relax after this. Cause if you look at it, they go, they go and play Seattle right after this in Seattle. I mean, depending on Moscow champions, like mm. it doesn't, it, it's not like they're playing, you know, softball teams in the West. I mean, they, the West is difficult and they know that and they yeah. have to be aware of that. And I mean, they play a San Jose team that I thought was very good in the tournament. Um, Matias Almeida seems that he's unlocked. Yeah. What a weird thing to say. Wash your mouth out with soap. I'm just yeah, kidding. No, it, it, just, <laughs> it feels weird, but Matias Almeida looks like he's unlocked what they were so close to unlocking last year you know, the Galaxy have to be aware that they're, you know, this isn't, you know, it isn't, you know, three teams and that are incredible and then three teams that are bad. I mean, every team in the West is good. And mm-hmm. Except, uh, I have well, to admit that, yeah, LA Galaxy, come on. Based off of what we have seen this season, the Galaxy are probably the worst team in the West right now. Which is um, embarrassing and not what we're used to. Yeah, but I mean, that's kind of where this organization has been headed since 2017. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, exactly. If you've been paying attention and you've been a longtime fan, you saw this coming. Yeah, and that's so, why that's why I am asking for these changes. Um, it's kind of hard because you can move one or two pieces, you know, which is which is what they're doing. But it's just I mean, it's, that's the way that things are going to go. I mean, it's frustrating, but that's that's the way that it's going to be. You're not going to be able to like, you know, this isn't. FIFA where I can just totally trade and do whatever I want you know right and I so think this also, is real life yeah I think also I'm glad that they got you know the the however many weeks to train and to be as a unit because I think you know again I go back to the whole entire thing where it's you know obviously they're reading Twitter accounts they're reading Facebook posts they're the players have to be aware of, of oh well legit turning off his comments after yeah. trust the process he has exactly. to be reading they that. have to be aware of that <laughs> And to have kind of three weeks of, or, you know, however many weeks, I think it was three or four weeks of, of stewing on this disappointment of, of realizing, you know, kind of the current level isn't good enough. I'm almost 
quietly a little optimistic that hopefully, you know, between Shaloto, between, you know, the organization, between Declosa, between, you know, the players themselves, kind of they all looked at one another and said, this isn't good enough. And I, that's, that's my hope is that a lot of them, they all looked at each other and said, you know, we, this is not good enough. And, you know, hopefully that bears itself out in the next six games. And we see, you know, a marked improvement in terms of, in terms of, of, uh, fire even. I mean, just, you know, that's, that's the thing is it, it, I, I just want to see 90 minutes of passion. I want to see 90 minutes of, of a team that just mm-hmm. looks desperate to win. Yeah. And yep. I don't think, especially I mean, against a rival that now it's completely embarrassing and nobody says this is even a rivalry, a real well, rivalry. Well, you know? Was, I, mean, I mean, what was the biggest disappointment about losing 6-2 to LAFC? It wasn't the fact that they lost 6-2. It was the fact that from when it went to, you know, 3-2 onwards, I mean, the body language just looked horrible. Yeah. Like, no one looked like they were invested anymore. And like, you know. I, I still maintain the Galaxy beat themselves. Like, they're, oh, they're their no own question. enemy. But the, the thing is, like, if you lose 6-2 against, you know, like, I don't know, a midweek game against Columbus or something like that. You're in Columbus. You played on the weekend. You know, the body language looks a little rough on a Wednesday night against Columbus. Like, that's a different story. I get that. But you're playing against your biggest rivals. Like, mm-hmm. you know, whether, you know, whether you agree or not, you know, or whether, whether you like it or not, you know, I'm a traditionalist. I, I've always viewed San Jose as our biggest rival. But, you know. Yeah, on, exactly. Kelly Classico. Based on the media attention, the global attention, the, the way. And the, why we're playing LAFC the first thing back home. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the global attention around this game, the, the, the way both fan bases have really taken it, you know, I think it's time that we, as, you know, as traditionalist Galaxy fans like myself, start to realize that LAFC is our biggest rival right now. And so the fact that, you know, you concede six against your biggest rival is already shameful enough. But, I mean, just the body language, the way that kind of the players looks like they gave up against that team. Mm-hmm. We, we can't have that again. Like, just, no, absolutely not. I'll the, be so upset. The fan base will not, the fan base will not tolerate it, and that could be a serious issue. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not saying like, hey guys, we should you know take to the streets and burn stuff, but I'm just saying that we should be pretty upset. Um, well, but let me just put it this way: if if Guillermo Shaloto at Boca Juniors lost River Plate six two, he'd be fired the next day. There's no question in my mind. Right. Here. That's what I yeah. I, that's what we talked about even the last pod. So that's that's, that's what I just want to see. He he. That kind of mentality and and MLS is weird because MLS kind of coddles bad teams. Like there's no real punishment for being bad in MLS. You know you you don't get relegated. You get first pick in the draft. And mm-hmm. again, another pod about the the way that the the draft is mattering right. less, less every year. But you know you, there's not a ton of punishment. You know, and so you know bad teams. I mean, what like Toronto for nine year for the first nine years of their existence were absolutely absolutely horrible. And really didn't have any impetus to get better. Like the galaxy can't be comfortable anymore with being bad. Like this. Yeah, is... and and resting on our silverware and yeah. chasing our own history. It's it's great to shine the trophies every week. Like that's cool. There needs to be either you know it either needs to come from within and someone in the organization needs to wake up and realize. Look, you know it's you know it's nice to sh- to shine the, the trophies, and, but you know we're running out of polish. We need to add some more. Yeah, exactly. Or it's going to require outside intervention to remove the people that are perfectly okay with complacency and i think over the next six games we're going to see if it's you know if they have realized internally that this this level of complacency is acceptable so what point do you think because this is a really weird season all right 2020 is messed up 
Um, you know, those first two games didn't look good. We missed Laton. But uh, was it the 6-2 loss against LAFC that finally said, you know what, this is unacceptable as, as an as LA Galaxy as a franchise? Um, I, th- I think, I think so. again, I agree with you that this is a weird place to be. But, yeah. I mean, weird or not, losing 6-2 to your biggest rivals in the, in the manner in which they did it. And and the fact is, like, look, I mean, if you watch that game back, LAFC knows exactly what they're doing. Like this, absolutely, it would be foolish if they didn't capitalize they on that. They could have taken their foot off the gas at four two. They, those two extra goals were not scored because, you know, they wanted to score two more. That was that was a little bit of okay. Here's, let's remind you where you stand right yeah. now. Yeah, kind of. I mean, that's that's what I mean. For example, what happened in in you know the the women's World Cup in two thousand and seven when the United States loses to Brazil and Brazil scores two goals and it it's clear as day the United States is not on it, you know the United States women's national team was just not on that day but Brazil scores two more because they they know what it that message what it sends. means yes yeah. so you know I mean I think uh, the Houston game was a little bit strange I will also offer that I think you know this is a good Houston team it's an underratedly good Houston team I hope they got the message you know and and you know sometimes it requires someone else to give you that message and I hope you know, the first thing when they got back to LA was Shaloto showed them the game tape of that 6-2 loss and said, look, you know, we can't have this happen again. Um, but see, and, and, and this is the thing. It's like normally I come on this pod and I'm, I'm all about X's and O's and and, and, right. I'm, talk- and I'm talking about full back overlaps and stuff like that. You know, you, listeners yeah. probably know that. But the thing is, I can't talk about it when it comes to this game because it's just the Galaxy need to turn in a 90-minute fired performance tomorrow. Like That's they just correct. need to look up for it. I don't yeah, care. we can yeah we can sit here and be like oh this center back we need this we need that and it's like but we've already saw this we know who we have yeah. and you know so exactly i we i honestly that don't care about the x's and o's tomorrow because i i think it, this gets to a bigger issue of right now what the galaxy need which is that they need to turn in a 90 minute performance where they look like they're they're up for it and it's you know it's they it's they need to do that tomorrow. Like, I mean, we can get into the X's and O's all we want. We know what LAFC is. We know they're a quick counterattacking team that's going to turn defense into offense and, and shove the ball down your throat as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. We know what the Galaxy are, which is that a, they're, they rely on overlaps and crossing, you know, and heavy crossing in order to, you know, pull the center backs apart and hopefully find space. We know what those two teams are, but one team between these two teams is a cohesive, fired-up unit. The other, for three games in Orlando, certainly did not look like that. Mm. 100% agreed. Well, that said, uh, and we'll go ahead and move forward now that, uh, I mean, after talking about it with you and, you know, what's amazing to me is that we were able to talk about it for 30 minutes because even I was like, I don't know, what are we going to be able to say that, like, you know, hasn't either already been said or it's just going to be totally, you know, doom and gloom for tomorrow. Exactly. (laughs) So, so I I actually feel better about watching tomorrow's game because I, I, it's something to look forward to see, to see them step it up or to see what we've got now, you know, like this is it make or break. I feel. I I will also add having Jonathan Dos Santos back in this game is a really big deal. Like I I absolutely having him back even even for for 25 minutes. (laughs) Well, even for, I I have a feeling he's, he's going to start even if we get him for a half. I mean, it, I'd rather have him as a sub to be honest with you, because LFC is a second half team and galaxy to get gassed. So I want Jonathan Dos Santos off that bench. That's, that's personally what I would want. Um, I, my feeling for some reason is that they'll start Quayo and then they can go ahead and I don't know, sub well, out. That's my fine. With, my concern with not starting Jonathan Dos Santos is you bring him in the games 
you could bring him in and the game would already be gone. Like that's that's my concern. That's um, that's a fair assessment. Because I mean, what Jonathan Dos Santos does so well is is stop the spaces that LAFC loves to attack in, and that's why I I'd, I'd start him personally. Um, just because if you can stymie them for forty five minutes, they get a little frustrated. And I mean, LAFC's kind of secret, not so secret tactical switch was always they'd bully you in terms of pulling you as a team apart for 70 minutes and then bring in Diamande and then just completely change the way that they attacked and just slam the ball down your throat and have Diamande battling already tired center backs. They don't really have Diamande anymore. So I think it's going to be a little bit more about. Yes, but they still have Villa and Rossi and, you know, like if, if the galaxy can mark those guys, I really, and like you said, frustrate them, keep them, you know, Bingham up there doing his saves, <laughs> well, then, yeah, then I think that first half can be can be zero zero. The real question is, how are they going to deal with, you know, Carlos Vela, we haven't seen him this season look particularly great. I mean, we only saw him in two games, but true. Um, and, you know, they played an Inter-Miami team that was, was resolute in defense and he didn't have his greatest day. Um, obviously did not travel to the tournament due to... Um, uh, family matters. Yeah, family matters. I believe is. I don't know if he's married or not, but it's, it's either his girlfriend, fiance, or wife. I can't remember. Uh, was pregnant. Baby so, mama. Whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> whatever relation they have. Um, but I almost think Velo's not their best player anymore. I think it's Diego Rossi, and Diego Rossi is going to go to Europe in two years' time for a very large amount of money. Um, so I think the, the the question here is how do you deal with Diego Rossi? And I think you know. It, it almost makes sense for Shaloda to, to scrap the 4-3-3 and do it and play maybe almost a 5-3-2 um, just to stymie the wing, wings a little bit. I think that's maybe the plan tomorrow. But again, it, it, it again we, get, we can talk about the X's and O's all we want, but again, it's, it's the 90-minute mm-hmm. performance. That's what I think is the, is the critical thing tomorrow. Yeah, let's see. I can't wait to talk about it after, actually, yeah, now. There's, there's, there's going to be a lot to talk about. Good. Yeah, but I appreciate you, Christian, because I was all like, man, I don't know what to say in the preview. And we're like, let's just record after. And you're like, no, no, let's preview this thing. And like, okay. All right. All right. I'm glad. I'm glad we did it. There's either good or bad. There's going to be a lot to talk about come Monday. 100%. I'm, yeah. Now, now I'm jazzed up. You see? So if I feel like this, I hope the galaxy can find it in them. Um, you know, true fans. We're true fans, you know, right? Yep, yep. Um, that's Win or bring, lose. That's why we do this podcast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, NWSL, to wrap this up, have made a couple moves. And y- your dear girl, My, Rose LaBelle. The one player that I wanted Angel City FC to throw the largest amount of money at. Right, we still got two years for that. I mean, even I saw a comment from uh, Alex Morgan saying, I'm available in May. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting when you look at kind of what's going on right now in, in NWSL in terms of these these critical players to the U.S. Women's National Team leaving for Europe. I mean, Sam Mewis, I think, you know, it, Sam Mewis' situation is a little bit different than Rose Lavelle's. I mean, Sam Mewis, you know, at North Carolina, North Carolina's won everything and everything, you know. Uh, until this tournament. Yeah, but, you know, you get tired of, of being really good on a really good team after a while, you know. Um mm. So I think I think Sam Mewis, in terms of the two, was probably the. If you would if you would asked me, you know, name a U.S. Women's National Team player that would would go to England or go to Europe in general, I think, you know, in in my top five, I'd say Sam Mewis would probably be in that conversation for me, even before knowing that she was she was headed to Europe. Roosevelt's an interesting case for me. Um, she never really settled in in Washington. Um, I think 
you know, she had, of course, injury concerns. And then, you know, her tenure with the national team kind of overlapped uh, the NWSL seasons. Um, but, I mean, the talent is undeniable. And I think this is, this is signaling a very interesting shift in dynamic when it comes to the way that U.S. soccer and U.S. women's national team players operate with one another, right? Because, I mean, U.S. soccer almost pretty much tied or basically held NWSL hostage and said to the U.S. women's national team players, like, you will play for this league. Otherwise, you know, you know, it, it was kind of a situation. It's like, well, you know, do you want to have a women's league? You should play for it then. You know, if you want to have it, you know, kind of thing, which was a bit underhanded, obviously. Um, and, it, and it did remove a lot of agency from U.S. women's national team players when it came to, to their, their club selection. But I think we're starting to see a little bit of uh, the, the balance of power shifting out of the United States, you know, into Europe. And I think, you know, 2019, that semifinal game against England and playing the Netherlands in the final, I think, was also a, a, a friendly reminder that maybe the power balance is shifting towards Europe when it comes to the women's game. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see you. I mean, now we'll, we'll be following some European teams. <laughs> so we call this Zipply Soccer, so you can talk about it all. Even though over there they call it football. Yeah, I think, but this is an interesting... I also think this is a good sign for the women's game in general, because now it looks like, you know, these, these clubs that, you know, have both men's and a women's program are starting to finally realize that the only way that, you know, they can be successful through the women's game is actually giving financial support and, and, and opening the the bank a little bit for, you know, these great players. And that can only be good. I mean, you know, we, we talk about the, the kind of the arms race and the men's side of the game where, you know, you're seeing hundred million dollar contracts for, you know, Gareth Bale or something like that, who probably doesn't deserve a hundred million dollars um, as a transfer fee. Uh, but, uh, it, but it, it raised the competition level. Now, you know, teams are now spending money and desperate to invest and desperate to get an edge. And now we're starting to see that slowly, but surely happen in the European women's game. And that's, that can only be good for soccer because, you know, then across the pond, you know, the United States, who has always been this, this bastion of, of kind of the leader in the women's game has to start realizing we're not as superior as we thought we were, you know, like that's, yeah. and, that, and that can only be good. In and how, of, how are you going to stay competitive? Yeah. Exactly. That, that can only be good in terms of uh, competitiveness for, you know, improving, you know, the way that we look at the development pipeline here in this country with the way that we look at, you know, with the way we support NWSL and financially and, 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 and investment wise and so on and so forth. And I think, you know, I think the club that's, that's really going to kind of break the bank and really encourage NWSL teams to spend, a lot of their European counterparts at the time is going to be Angel City FC, considering how much money it looks like there is behind that ownership group. And, you know, they're they're almost going to be the galaxy of the NWSL, which is that they come in and just basically say, you know, we are committed to spending more money and spending, you know, our money smartly in order to be the best organization possible. And I, I like that energy. But, you know, in terms of Rose Lavelle moving to Europe, I mean, that's a big deal like Rose Lavelle is probably the most one of the most marketable stars on this U.S. women's national team right now and her leaving the U.S. to go to Europe indicates something to me that she was she saw that project in Manchester City and is is very excited about it and that's I mean I'm, I'm excited for her I think this is a great opportunity and I think um you know it's it's you know hopefully she comes back to the NWSL and hopefully we get to hear on these shores again but I mean yeah that's what I was thinking I, I think because then then their callback would be the Angel City. Yeah, and I think, you know, she's this is a this is a good a great challenge. Um and I think that's that's going to be 
you know, it can only make both the, 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 the women's game in England better. It can make, and it, and, you know, the, the, I think the resources that man, like a, an organization like Manchester city has is so just complete, even it was so completely different, you know, than what Washington could offer that I think, you know, th- this can only improve her game. You know, like th- this, you know, you're dealing with different coaches, you're dealing with different things. This can only improve a player, you know, especially with the, with the resources that a club like Manchester city can bring to bear. Yeah. And what the difference is too, with the women is that, you know, there's not a salary incentive per se to go to Europe. This is strictly about development. Others would say because of the times, because the United States isn't doing so well um, in terms of handling COVID-19 that perhaps Europe is the next uh, way to go. Um, and and in that case, you know, U.S. women's national team and NWSL players have like more freedom to, to go abroad, um, if that's the case. However, um, regardless of, you know, that's what's kind of like an interesting time to be alive right now. And, and, and you know, we'll look back on this as like because of what was going on here, they were able to develop women's soccer in a and and soccer in general in a whole other way and then we'll have to see you know moving forward where where this where this takes us how we handle tournaments and in the future i mean i know some stadiums are having fans actually already here um but i but i really think um long term it's going to be really really exciting to have i want roosevelt to come back i want her to play for angel city yeah i agree um and you know this can only be good for the U.S. Women's National Team too, because I mean, you know, oh, absolutely, it's it's increasing. They don't get stagnant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Is 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 my biggest concern leading the 2019 World Cup was, oh yeah, yeah we won, but it did look at times like they were a little bit stagnant. That this was mm-hmm. that they were expecting this to be the natural order of things, and I think, you know, that's the big thing, kind of in the U.S. Women's Soccer conversation is how do you increase competitiveness? Well, it's by taking these risks and going out to places where you know you're playing with the best of the best from, you know, England's national team, from Japan's national team, from, you know, the Netherlands national team, wherever have you, you know, they're putting themselves out there and, and basically saying, we're not, you know, we're not in this insulated culture of like, we're the best player in end of Brussel. you know, like they will have to fight for position, uh, you know, for, for starting 11 positions. And that's, that can only be good for them as players. And that can be only good, only be good for the U.S. women's national team because of increasing that competitive fire. Yeah. And I maintain the way that, you know, the, the women play has just always been you just see the passion game after game after game you know and and they know how to play with that with that heart and i look forward to see where where this takes our ladies oh yeah totally (laughs) yeah well thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us and stay tuned because definitely we'll we'll have a lot more to say as the la galaxy news develops and as Hopefully their performance develops. <laughs> yeah, it's, tomorrow's going to be... Uh, there will be a lot to talk about after tomorrow. Absolutely. All right. Talk to you soon.